Welcome to Online Chapel at Berean Bible Institute, a school of college-level education who is on a mission to train Christian leaders for God's service and the proclamation of God's grace. Join us this semester as we explore the triumphant theme of Romans 8.37, More Than Conquerors. send my greetings to the BBI students and anyone else that might be viewing this video. My name is Don Summer. I had been the pastor for nine years at Grace Church in Indianapolis. I'm currently an adjunct teacher for the Berean Bible Institute, and I've been asked to share a few words on your theme for this year, which is More Than Conquerors. For those of you who are old enough to remember back into the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you might recall a television show that aired every Saturday afternoon. It's one that I watched with great enthusiasm. It was called ABC's Wide World of Sports. Now, each episode would have three or four different sporting events, none of which were usually any of the, of the big four, like baseball, football, basketball or hockey, but rather the wide world of sports would feature less common sporting events, at least they were considered so at the time, things like downhill skiing, cliff diving, ski jumping, gymnastics, water kayaking, bobsledding, and the luge. The shows were all pre-recorded and edited to make sure that the audiences were able to see the, the performance, the best performances, and to see the most dramatic moments. They showed falls, and the wipeouts and the incidents that really caught the, the drama of the event. The show had a famous opening, which at the time, even if you weren't a sports fan, almost every American was familiar with, with that line. It contained the, the famous words, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Let's take a moment to watch that legendary opening to the wide world of sports. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport, the thrill of victory, and the agony of defeat. The human drama of athletic competition. This is ABC's Wide World of Sports. The Christian likewise experiences both of those emotions, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. But as we will see, looking briefly today at these concepts in Scripture, ultimately we end up victorious. I've been asked to give a short message focusing on the theme of being more than conquerors in Romans 8.37. Paul was very fond of using imagery of victory and conquest in his writings when speaking about the Christian life. The passage we're looking at today is Romans 8.37, which says the following. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8.37 
The phrase more than conquerors is an, is an interesting concept. It is a single compound word, hooper nikao, or hyper conqueror. It has the idea of glorious conquest, of a decisive and surpassing victory. Yet the passage says that in all these things, we are hyper conquerors. What are the these things to which Paul is referring? We have to go back to the previous verses to gain the context of this statement to see what he means when he speaks of being more than conquerors in the midst of certain circumstances and conditions. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. For we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Romans 8, 35 and 36. What he is describing in these verses sounds far from victorious. He lists in verse 35 all of these horrible, awful conditions we might face. And then he sums it up with a quote from Psalm 44:22, which says that we face death all day long and we are like sheep being led to the slaughterhouse. How in the world can that describe people who are super conquerors? When someone thinks of a great victory, you hardly imagine a long line of helpless sheep being led to a slaughterhouse. This is hardly, there is hardly any teaching or philosophy or theology that denies reality more than the prosperity doctrine. I've never understood how anyone can accept the idea that the Bible teaches that life on this earth for Christians is somehow going to be one of ease, comfort, unfailing health, and abundant prosperity. As we look at the clear teaching of Scripture and the overwhelming evidence from real life experience, life is hard. It's full of challenges. Good, solid, committed, and dedicated Christians get cancer. They have heart attacks. They find themselves in financial trouble, and they experience all the same troubles and agonies that everyone else in the world does. Now, if they are walking according to God's will, they will probably experience fewer and less severe trials and heartaches because they should not be involved in the behavior that amplifies the effects of the curse of sin. Committed Christians should not have to wonder where their next meal is going to come from because they spent their last bit of money on drugs or alcohol or they stuck it into a slot machine or they bet on a long shot horse hoping to win 10 times the, the amount that they bet, it, bet. Likewise, the dedicated believer is less likely to experience physical ailments because he or she has disregarded the healthy care and stewardship of his or her body through filling it with destructive substances or over overindulgence in things that are good and healthy but are harmful when taken in excess. However, ultimately, we all exist together, believers and unbelievers alike, in this same corrupted and fallen, sin-sick, sin-soaked world. And we are all impacted by the consequences of sin and the curse. However, going back to the practical danger of the prosperity doctrine, 
I'm reminded of a situation I witnessed many years ago when I was a college student. I went to school in central Wisconsin back in the late 70s and early 80s. I made friends with a young pastor who was serving in a small rural church about 10 miles outside of Stevens Point, the city where the university that I studied at was located. Now, this was a solid evangelical church that preached the gospel, but had no clear stand on issues such as sign gifts. And, uh, and essentially, they could not doctrinally or dispensationally distinguish between the promises for the future kingdom and, the and those for the body of Christ. Now, some in that church had come under the influence of a health, wealth, and prosperity teacher who was popular at the time. The teacher that that faction in the church was drawn to emphasize that we should never be sick, and if we are, it is because of a lack of faith or because of unconfessed sin in our lives. There was an elderly woman in the church who was in her late 80s and was on her deathbed in a hospital. Several from the group that had adopted the health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine visited this woman in the hospital. Now, this is a woman who had lived an exemplary life as a Christian for decades. The wealth, health, and prosperity group was, was telling her, and they had convinced her, that the reason she was sick and in the hospital was because she had unconfessed sin in her life. And she was in terrible distress, and she died without the assurance and the peace which was her birthright as a child of God. She was robbed of the joy in the last days of her life as she was leaving this life. She was robbed of the joy peace and comfort that she deserved. This story relates to us as being super conquerors in that it brings into focus the fact that our victory and conquest, as Paul describes it, is not in this world, although it does have repercussions in our present life. However, primarily, we are people with an eternal perspective. We see that we are more than conquerors because ultimately we look beyond the individual battles that we fight in this life, and we look to the fact that our eternal destiny is secure in Christ. The following verses in the passage that we're looking at makes it clear how we are more than conquerors because nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. If you go back to Romans chapter 8, you see that it's very clear that, that Paul is talking about an eternal perspective. He says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. Whatever may come upon us, we know with absolute certainty that the war has been won and we are among the victors because Jesus Christ fought the war in our behalf. Now briefly, let's look at a couple of other conquest passages that Paul wrote about. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death, leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life, leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. 
In 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17, Paul provides one of the most graphic illustrations or metaphors of what it means to be a Christian. He draws upon a scene which most of all of the residents of a large Roman city, such as Corinth or Ephesus or, or Rome itself, would be familiar with. He draws upon the triumphal procession of the Roman military through the streets of the city after a great victory. When the Roman army had a great conquest, they would parade through the city with all the spoils of battle. There would be pagan priests who carried incense and would fill the streets with this sweet aroma. And they would lead the procession. There also then following them would be the captive soldiers and the citizens that had been defeated who had to march in the procession to their execution at the end, and at the end of that procession were the victorious soldiers. So the smell of incense would hang in the air to be breathed by both the victors and those who had been conquered. For the victorious Romans, it was a smell of triumph, but for the conquered, it it was the smell of death because they were on their way to their death, to execution. We as believers are led by God in triumph. Triumph over death, triumph over hell, triumph over helplessness, triumph over sin, triumph over despair. Because of Christ, we are more than conquerors. We can live this life with confidence, confidence that, that we are on the winning side. Oftentimes you will hear the secular commentators of the world talking about those of us who hold to traditional values or to biblical standards of morality and they'll say that we are on the wrong side of history. Well, they make those statements because they have not read or they do not believe the Bible, which shows history written in advance. We know that God's side will ultimately be triumphant in all things. Paul also describes those who are outside of Christ in this passage as smelling the aroma of death. Paul, as the proclaimer of truth, gives forth the aroma of the gospel. That message is a smell of life to those who are saved, but it is the smell of judgment on the unbeliever. When they hear the good news but choose to reject it, the gospel is like the smell of death for them. It shows how the same message has different results based on the choice of the individual. The gospel is meant to be a message of hope, peace, love, and eternal life. However, it is also a message of condemnation for those who choose not to believe. The message is the same, but it means, but what it means to any individual is based on how that person responds to the message. I think of the illustration of the difference between wax and clay in sunlight. In the one case, the heat of the sun causes the wax to melt and become soft and malleable, whereas the sunshine, the same sunshine, dries up the clay and it becomes hard and brittle. The same agent works on both materials, but the difference 
is how the is is the inherent nature of the two objects. In the one case, it becomes moldable, malleable, soft. In the other, it becomes hard and brittle. But it's the same sunshine. And just like the gospel, the gospel is proclaimed to everyone. But for some, it's going to melt their heart and they're going to receive it. For others, it's going to bake just like the clay and they're going to reject it. Another passage which speaks of the victory we have in Christ comes near the end of the great chapter on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Of course, the context of this passage makes it obvious the, the eternal perspective in which Paul sees our conquest. The entire chapter is focused on resurrection, its meaning and its power. The ultimate argument is that the resurrection represents God's power over death and the curse of sin. The final enemy, death and hell, will be delivered up and cast into the lake of fire along with Satan and all that is evil and opposed to God in the final days, the final judgment. It is absolutely clear that even though we are fighting battles in this world, we know that ultimately the battle has been won. So we may ask the question, what does that have to do with my life today? How does all this talk about conquest in eternity help me make it through the battles that I have to fight in life every single day? How does it help depression or health problems, discouragement, family problems, financial issues, everything we have to deal with every day in which we feel defeated and broken rather than feel like we are victors and super conquerors? There are many ways in which understanding the eternal perspective of our conquest makes us better prepared to fight the battles of this sin-sick, sin-soaked world. First, the certainty of eternal life offers unspeakable hope to help us make it through life. Imagine how awful it would be to struggle through all that we have to face in this life without the hope of eternity. When we realize that this isn't all there is, that there is still an eternity that waits for us, we have hope. And as Paul says in Romans 5, 5, hope does not disappoint. Furthermore, the certainty of victory in eternity is accompanied with the doctrine of empowerment in this life as well. Paul made it clear that Jesus' victory over sin and the devil has real-life implications for the here and now. Romans 6 speaks of how we have been crucified, buried, and resurrected with Christ. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ, and we are called to walk in the newness of life. While the final battle has not yet been fought, we have been given the weapons that we need to fight the fight here and now. Now, it would involve a whole 
a whole different, a whole complete different message to elaborate on the, this very familiar passage that talks about the weapons that we've been given, the, the armor of God in Ephesians 6. But what we know is that each of those pieces of God's spiritual protection are meant for us in this life to help us experience victory over sin and the curse here and now. They're not just about eternity. So the victory that we have is not just in eternity, but it also applies to our lives right now. We indeed are more than conquerors in Christ. We have the victory, and we therefore are called to live as victors. It makes no sense to know all that awaits in our ultimate condition when we are going to be in the presence of the Lord, but then to continue living this life as if we are defeated and hopeless. We need to live today with hope, assurance, and power, understanding that the battle was over when Jesus Christ stepped out of the grave nearly 2,000 years ago. So as we consider this passage of being more than conquerors, yes, we are looking Looking for that hope in eternity, but we understand too that it gives us the power and we have all of the weapons that we need to be able to fight the battles now. And yes, we might struggle sometimes and we might feel defeated, but we know that ultimately the victory is ours because Christ has won it for us. We are more than conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. We hope and pray that you've been encouraged in your walk with the Lord. If you'd like more information about the Berean Bible Institute or to connect with us further, visit our virtual campus at www.bereanbibleinstitute.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, grace and peace to you.